Hi, everyone. Welcome to the timingresearch.com crowd forecast news for February 20th, 2024, a special Tuesday edition since yesterday was a market holiday. And we are recording this at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And this is episode number 418. So my name is David Cosmeter. I'm the creator of timingresearch.com. And today I have a special uh, market outlook update episode from The Option Professor. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. Okay, thanks, David, and uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is Jim, the option professor. Quick background on myself. I've been uh, doing the options here for many decades. I've done uh, many seminars for thousands of people worldwide on the uses and risks of options, and um, I uh, trade these markets all the time, so I'm pretty familiar with uh, the options from top to bottom. And many of you are just starting out in the options, so I would suggest that we try to get together and see what I could do to educate you. Uh, but today, what I'm going to go over is my opinions and my observations. So I'll be talking about the markets, but uh, no specific advice, just basically giving you my views and my observations. Uh, again, with regards to the markets, uh, if you've been reading my stuff, optionprofessor.com that comes out, quick alerts. I've been trying to explain to people that uh, March and April are possibly going to be significantly down months. And the reason I'm saying that is because the market obviously has had such a big run-up. Part of it was based on interest rates going down sooner rather than later. That seems to be off the table because of the CPI numbers, the PPI numbers, which are much hotter than people thought. And realistically, with unemployment at 3.7%, wages rising more than the inflation rate, you are having a hard time getting the services people to stop spending money. And so obviously, these numbers are hard to come down. If real estate doesn't come down, if consumer spending doesn't come down because people are not going to cut prices if there's still a line wrapped around the building. So my view has been that A, we had a tremendous rally from the 4200 area. Let me show you here. I'm going to explain some of my views to you here. Obviously, we had a high point back in 2022, and we had a big drop down towards the blue line. These are moving averages that I use. And so you know, basically they are unique to me in that I use these and not everybody does. Uh, with regards to the, uh, the direction of the moving average, you can see that the blue line was rising. Purple and gold were always rising, never even tested. So when we had the drop down towards 3,500, that drop was temporary because you see we got right back above the blue lines and the blue line was rising the entire time. Red did drop, but it wanted to hit the blue. That was telling us that this was the area. If you wanted to load the wagon on the upside, this is where we were suggesting you did it. So anywhere between 4,000 and these lows here, which are around 4,200, 4,250, 4,000 to 4,250, that was the lock and load zone where your risk reward was very attractive. Now, the further away you get from these averages doesn't make the market less risky. I tried to explain that to people, but it's hard when they get tied up in things. Now, obviously, once the word got out, and look at here, this was in October, right there. Do you think the uh, the Federal Reserve and other people know that if we start breaking under 4,100 uh, here, that there could obviously be a drop all the way down to here, potentially? So obviously, this is where they announced that for 2024, we're going to see cuts in interest rates they anticipate. So obviously, everybody views that as a green light. Positioning was rather negative. And so everybody covered and everybody from the sideline wanted to just jump in. When you do that, you have order imbalances. And that's when the market makers raise the offer, tell you you can buy all you want up here at 5,000. They fill all those orders. 
And if there's not any orders behind it, it's potentially going to revert to the mean. And that's exactly what I'm anticipating may potentially happen. It has started, but I'll show you why I don't know that it has actually started in a minute. So the bottom line is obviously we're getting a pullback today. We've had a pullback, a few pullbacks, but the pullbacks don't last. And I'll show you why they don't last. Okay. But the bottom line is, is that, um, We've got a RSI here on the, this is a long-term chart. And I'll get into the short-term stuff because I trade the weeklies myself. So the bottom line is, but I want to know what the big picture is first. You know what I mean? If I'm at an all-time high, I'd like to know about it, right? So the bottom line is the RSI here in uh, 2021 December was up at 75. The RSI right now is at 64. That is a divergence. And we are at a very critical point because if it goes through 64 and goes towards 70 or 80, we're going to be up at 53, 5,500 because this thing is going to accelerate to the upside. So that's what RSI does when it breaks through 60. It either accelerates to 70 or 80, or it possibly might be topping. Right now, I think the scales are leaning a little bit towards it might be hitting a temporary top. Uh, again, one the main reason is, is the 10-year yield is not at 380. It's at 425, 430. And there's a gap on it, which I'll show up at 480. So it's potentially going to go up there. So again, CPI way hotter, PPI way hotter. So if you're looking for you know big discounts and stuff, I think uh, right now you're a little premature on that. And if you're looking for big Fed cuts, I think you're very premature on that so as well. So here's the deal. <clears throat> and you could get a little cut. I mean, the 10-year still is at 425, 435. The uh, Fed funds is up and the two-year is at 470. So again, you still could get a quarter point uh, cut as a token, but uh, any severe cuts, uh, they're off the table temporarily. Okay. So anyway, you're pretty far away from the moving average here. And the high point so far has been 50-50, ballpark figure, 50-50, right? Okay. So uh, and the divergence tells us that it could be running out of gas. Let's go to the five-year graph. Let's see what that tells you. Okay. Got high points over here. High point here, you know, coming in at around 70 on the RSI. RSI up here is around 74. So no big divergence here. But again, and again, one of the reasons we're not going to get a big drop yet is because the red line is still pointing up and it comes in at 48.34. So again, we could drop another, you know, what, 100 points and this thing could still be in an uptrend. So the the, the pullback, if it went from 50.50 to 48.50, would be 200 points or so. That's not a bad pullback. Uh, and then on the one-year graph, uh, again, one of the reasons I don't know that it's ready to pop right now is that the um, the red line is not pointing down. You want to know when uh, you get the good size drops? Look over here. Red line pointing down, you're going to get a decent drop. Red line pointing down, you're going to get a decent drop. Red line pointing down, you're going to get a decent drop. If you don't have the red line pointing down, like here, you're going to get some kind of a drop, 100 points, but then right back on the bicycle. 100 points, back on the bicycle. Okay, here you pulled back to the red line. Here you pulled back through it and then right back through it because the red line is rising. So you got NVIDIA's uh, earnings coming out. I don't know if they're going to knock it off the uh, out of the park so far that it's going to give us another rally, but that's possible. And uh, and or it could be the end of the story. And then we start going down towards 4,900, 4,875 and the red line start pointing down. Now, again, the RSI also looks a little weak up here. Because you can see it looks like it's losing altitude. When the RSI is losing altitude, it's kind of telling me that it's running out of gas. If it runs out of gas up here, it's going to be a problem, right? So 
you know, again, what's in my anticipation, my, my potential, I think it's that we're going to get a surprise drop in March and April that people aren't ready for. You know, I was watching, I just came back from Key West and I saw uh, the big short again on TV and those two guys hit me. Those two guys who started with a hundred grand out of their uh, garage and built it up to 30 million. Well, they did that by counting on people who don't think bad things will happen. Uh, and then they do happen. And the way that what they're talking about there is, is, you know, put options underneath when we're at 50, 50 on the RS on the, uh, S and P, you know, put options at 4,900 and 4,800 are going to be quite low because people don't think it's going down there. Now, if we get a drop down to 4,700, these options will be exploding. And that's kind of like the way they made their money. <clears throat> they made their money by people who don't think bad things can happen and they pay and they charge very little for a bet that they will happen. And when they do happen, you can get a very big jump. If they don't happen, don't forget, you're only going to lose the premium if you're buying a long option and the option premium is not very much. So the math can work out pretty good as long as you don't bet zero. And um, and that was interesting to hear how they built up capital because um, you know I've seen it over the years time and time again. You know, crude oil's at 147. If somebody buys a hundred dollar put for a penny or two, you know, they're people and they go out you know a decent amount of time. You know, people might think they're crazy. Next thing you know, uh, crude goes down to 80, and that thing's going for 20 bucks. So again, you know, things do happen. Gold went up to 2160. I'm sure if somebody said buy the 2000 put at 2160, they were pretty cheap. Gold drops to 1950. That thing's going to get some action on it. So again, um, I am, uh, and there's a lot of stocks out there that you know could be the same story. Uh, I'll get into them in a minute. But right now, obviously, you know, it's a little too early to tell that it's turned because that uh, one-year red line has not turned down. One month has turned down, and you can see, but not tremendously down. Now, you got a little drop here when it turned down. Then it comes back up, and now it's coming back down. And the red line is definitely pointing down. So right now, as long as we stay under 50.07, um, you know, and, and, of course, you're underneath the, the blue. But you see, to get it to really drop, red's got to get under blue and get under green, kind of like it did. Uh, well, I'll show you one right real quick on one that it did. Exxon Mobil. Was at an all-time high. This was a good deal on the put side. So we go to ExxonMobil. Let's get on there. Just trying to give you an example of what this thing looks like if, in fact, you're going to get a significant drop. So we go to the one-year graph on ExxonMobil. And as you can see on the one-year graph, you know, this thing, first of all, had a nice divergence up here. Then it got under the red line. Red line started pointing down. Then it crosses green. Then it crosses blue. Then it crosses gold. Then it crosses purple. And that's the recipe to make a lot of money on the downside if you're going to be betting that way. Because you're going to get a very substantial drop if you can get everything in concert pointing to the downside. We don't have that in the stock market right now. So it's a little early to get the bearish hats out. But believe me, if we don't... Uh, uh, start taking out 50-50. And if another two weeks go by and we get through earnings season, and then they're looking around going, what's the new news now to keep us going? Then it could be a situation where March and April could give you a down move you're not anticipating. And again, not you want to wait for evidence of it. But when evidence shows up, in other words, when we're at 122, let me give you an idea what 122 looked like. This is a 20-year graph on Exxon. Doesn't it look like the all-time high up here? That's why I like looking at the longer-term graphs. 
because it tells me I'm at the all-time high up here. So then if I switch over to the one-year graph, I know that if it's peaking up here or showing me a sell sign, it could be a very significant sell because it's coming off an all-time high. You get it? So that's why I'm saying on S&P, my antenna is up to see if, in fact, the people who've all rushed in uh, may want to get the heck out in March and April. And again, why would they want to do that? Because the news is not going their way, which means what? Which means that the interest rates are not dropping and the Fed is not cutting, which was a big reason why people bought. Now, the earnings season has been spotty. You get some companies that are doing great. You got some companies that give good guidance. They go nuts on the upside. I mean, absolutely nuts. I'm going to go into a few of them in a minute. S-O-U-N, S-M-C-I, uh, NVIDIA, and then, of course, Palantir and ARM. So we're going to go over that and see what they look like. So you don't, you know, you put it in perspective. You don't want to be caught holding the bag. Some of these companies are doing quite well, but some of them are looking for growths of 34 to 42%, and some of them are looking for over 100% in their in their um, in their projection. So again, some of them obviously, you know, uh, are looking for big projections, some of them not so much. And some of these companies are not profitable yet. So again, you know the story when they're not profitable, they can go until they don't go and then they become pretty much sell sell deals. Okay, so anyway, that's the story so far on S&P. Now again, uh, let's look at uh, some of the other sectors real quick like QQQ. And if you have any uh, if you have any stocks you want me to look at, you know, just go to the chat box, put it in there and I'll put your stuff up there and we'll take a look. Hey, listen, you know, I've been doing this for decades. I, I work with a whole bunch of I've traded thousands and thousands of options. I've been to the Options Institute in Chicago for advanced training. You know, I don't I don't like to boast, but I'm a little tired of, you know, not getting the word out. I know a lot more than most of you at, in options, and I can educate you on a lot of different things that you need to know on options. Like what? Like the setups for uh, a trade that might work, uh, how to uh, choose your striking price or how I choose it, how you choose it is up to you. My opinion on choosing your striking price. After you get in there, a lot of you guys don't know when to sell. Nobody knows exactly when to sell, but there are strategies and tactics to use that obviously try to make sure you walk away with a winner because, you know, nothing worse than on an option. The option goes from, uh, you know, two to eight and all of a sudden you stay too long. A rally happens or on a put and you get wiped out. So, you know, you have to have ideas on how to risk manage after not only when you start the position, but as you're coming out. Obviously, after decades of doing it and thousands of options doing it, the likelihood I know a little bit more than the average bear out there is extremely high. Okay. All right. Uh, so anyway, let's go to the NASDAQ. Obviously, this has been a screamer and uh, it's pretty much the same as the S&P. Uh, and again, they do follow each other only at different speeds. So because uh, the S&P has got a lot of NASDAQ stuff in there. Was it 30% of the S&P is the, the MAG7 and 50% of the, NAS, uh, the QQQ is? So obviously, they're both affected by these seven stocks that have been going nuts. All right. So anyway, where are we at on RSI here? We're up here in the 60s. Okay. On the 20-year graph. Let's look at the five-year. Okay. Again, uh, you know, getting up near those highs. Uh, and, uh, let's, uh, take a look here again. The averages are all pointing up. So, you know, all you got here is overbought a bit. That's all. That's all you got is overbought. If there was a correction, you got the red here at uh, 415. You got another green down here at 392. And if you got a good one, it'd be down to 385. A uh, big one would take you down here. So if they really change their tune, you know, this is where the longer term support is down there. On the one year graph, what's going on? Again, red line hasn't turned down, but it broke. 
It's trying to hold on to green. Green comes in at uh, 426. We're trading 424. Next stop underneath that is blue at 419. So again, if they can't get red to point down, like they couldn't really get it pointing down here, this could be very temporary. It could hold the blue. NVIDIA comes out with good uh, earnings. Maybe they go up and do a double test at 440 and monitor that double test because the RSI here is at 68. The RSI right now is at 50. If they rallied it because of NVIDIA and they can't get it uh, above 68 on the RSI and it lags, and then it comes back under 430, I think that would be the that would probably be the time that uh, it might be the real sell-off. Um, okay, on the one month, yeah, you got a down thing here, but again, it could still rally up towards uh, 430. It's a little bit overdone. But on the one month, you got red under blue. You got red under green, and they're all pointing down, except blue is not really pointing down. But this is a setup where you're going to get a drop, and that's what you're getting. So if you're short-term trading this thing, why would you be selling it? First of all, it filled the gap. You see that? That's all it did. And then once it got under green again, there was a sell. Under blue and red, 432, that's a sell. So you got a nice sell, both of these things. Purple's coming in around 422, which it could bounce off of. Purple's a very big line for me. It's one of the last stands. Okay, so there you go. But again, you know, we don't have these other averages turning down. Uh, and so that means that you have to be suspect that this is a pullback. It could get some good news, pop again. But the next time it pops, you're going to be monitoring the 440 level and you're going to be monitoring the RSI. And you're looking at 68 as the top. Okay. And so if it comes back up there, that's what you're monitoring. Because again, if it has a significant correction, there's a lot of real estate underneath. And again, this thing has had a big run. I mean, come on. They announced here that they might have cuts next year. All of a sudden, AI and the uh, uh, adoptionist is going crazy and they go nuts. But you got gaps down here. Gap, 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 gap. And what do they say about gaps? Gap, gap. Gaps get filled, right? Gaps get filled. When are they going to get filled? My guess, March and April. Okay. So uh, there you go. Now, what about those small caps that everyone is dying to get going? Because, again, it's pretty far away from its uh, all-time high. Uh, and today it's given up the goose. So the bottom line is, is I think the all-time high on this baby is, if uh, they don't give me the correct thing, I think it's up at 240, something like that, 240. Oh, let's get rid of this thing. So I got, uh, there you go, back to my chart. Sorry about that. Okay, on the five-year graph on uh, Russell. On, uh, okay. I thought I'd logged in and got rid of these things. Okay, uh, trying to get the five-year graph up there. Here we go. Okay, five-year graph. Yeah, see the high here was around 240. So we're nowhere near the high yet. Now, this thing is pointing like it could take off. So again, this could be the place to be. You know, if you want to look at laggards, okay, we already know the leaders, right, since October. What have the leaders been? They've been tech, semiconductors, communications, financials, healthcare, and to some extent, industrial. Those have been the leaders. They were the ones that have the most jeopardy if we do have a correction, right, because they are the highest and they are the ones that have discounted the best news, right? So if there were laggers that people wrote, uh, uh, rotated into, this would be one of them. And the red line is pointing up very nicely. So as long as we can stay above the uh, 196 area, it still remains fairly positive. Your RSI at the top here was 64. Your RSI over here is 59. You got a divergence, and that's why we could go into the soup here. A lot of support between 180 and uh, the purple line at 186. So that's really 
your concrete support. If we started breaking under 180, that would be very, very nasty for the market and certainly for small caps. Uh, and again, higher interest rates is no friend of uh, small caps because these guys, uh, some of them are not profitable, if not most, and also interest rates affect them dramatically. Okay, so there you go with the uh, with the um, uh, with the small caps. Uh, looks good. Uh, but again, uh, it, it does have a divergence up here. Let's see what it looks like on the one year. Yeah. So again, you have a gap there. Actually, you have an island. That's called an island. That's where you have gaps above and then gap under. So getting back through 200, very important here, because if it leaves 200 and starts breaking under 195, that's going to set up a potential test of 185. So very important this thing slows down here, holds the 195, 196 area, and starts filling that gap that it has. Otherwise, that's a big island. And sometimes that means that's the high for a while. Okay. So be careful there. And like I say, uh, you want that thing, if you're, if you're long this stuff, to hold above 195, 196. Okay. So let's take a look at some of the uh, stocks that have had big moves uh, and see what they look like as far as the technicals are concerned. Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at ta ta Taiwan Semiconductor because that has a huge gap. And that could has a lot of potential if it wanted to, to go down very significantly. It's already started. So again, why would it do that? You see this gap down here? That's enormous, right? And then you got a gap there as well. It did fill that gap. Remember I told you gaps get filled? They just filled the one at 125, right? And we're at 135. If I told you it's going to come back to the red line and fill the gap, you'd probably say I'm crazy, but I'm not so crazy today, right? Okay, so uh, again, that one has some potential to have a more significant drop, but the red line is not pointing down. So again, a little early to look for that big drop. This again could just be a pullback to fill that gap. Again, without the red line pointing down, you don't have the evidence of a big of the big drop. Uh, the one month graph again did turn over, so you got your nice sell signal up here at 132. Uh, it seems like everything's trying to roll over. So getting back above 128, 130 would turn it back up a little bit. So that would be a neighborhood you wouldn't want it to get to if you're bearish. But again, if you're, I mean, if you're bullish, if you're bearish, you're kind of looking for 116 to get filled and you're kind of looking for this gap maybe to get filled. And uh, so you're looking for a little bit more of a sell-off. Uh, again, this could be a deal where if NVIDIA comes out with good stuff, they could jump it. And then, of course, if it can't... Uh, keep going. Like, look at the RSI up here, 87. And then the next guy over is 79. You got a divergence. Then over here, it really drops a little bit from one from 80 down to 72. So we've been descending. Rally happens only to 56. Can't get through 60. That means you're not going to get through the acceleration phase. Gets back under the red line. You're back in the soup. Okay. Now let's look at some of these ones like NVIDIA that's coming out. Because again, talk about a much anticipated um, earnings announcement. I mean, they really are looking for some very good numbers out of these guys. And obviously, they're already selling the fact. So uh, again, if somebody said last week, uh, NVIDIA is up here, RSI is at 81, then the RSI is at 59, then the RSI goes to 57, then the RSI goes to 53, hey, that thing's out of steam. So last week, you had all kinds of evidence why put options this week would be the way to go. And so far, obviously, what? The put options that you might have got at 700 or 710, they're way in the money now. And of course, some of these weeklies don't cost all that much. And again, this is another classic example of uh, the guys in the big short. Nobody thinks anything bad can happen to this company up at 750. So the out of the money options underneath, which would go for a lower amount because everyone's betting big, 
uh, obviously you could pick those up and then uh, a day like today you cash them in. So that's another classic example of, uh, you know, when nobody thinks anything bad can happen to a stock, the put options are relatively ex- uh, inexpensive. And if you're correct, obviously they can jump. If you're wrong, you lose the premium. And that's the story. Okay. Uh, but anyway, let's take a look at this thing on a 20-year basis. And here's what got me on a 20-year basis. Of course, this isn't going back like I want. So let's go to the five-year. And if you look at the five-year, we had RSI here of 77 back in 2021. Then you had RSI of 73, so it's a little bit lower. Then up here, you got RSI of 83. So RSI really popped. And again, once we broke above 500 and the RSI went through the 60 numbers, because right under 500, it was at 60, this is the acceleration phase that I was talking about when RSI jumps above 60. It sometimes can accelerate to the upside. And when it does, that's what it looks like. Now, having done that, and you have a high point here of 83, and the next one over says 73, then obviously that's an RSI that's losing some steam. And there is a long way down here to the red line. On the one-year graph, again, it did break the red line. There's a bit of a gap. So again, what you might want to do here, since the red line is not pointing down, is see what happens on earnings. Up here, you see RSI is 81, RSI is 77. Right now, RSI is at 58. If they rally it to fill this gap, which is right around 725, uh, and the RSI lags underneath 7781, and then they get it back underneath the red line, which comes in at 706, then that might be the better time where you might see a more significant turn. What could make these uh, this report not as good? Maybe they're having some supply issues, and then maybe they have orders, but if they can't fill them, they can't get paid. I don't know. Or maybe people are starting to go with AMD and other sources because they don't want to get locked into one company. I don't know. We're going to find out when they announce. But obviously, it's a company that's making a lot of money. I think their revenues jumped 103% or something along those lines. And basically, uh, that's obviously a great revenue jump. And they're anticipating another 100% revenue jump. So that's why the stock's going nuts. Now, their expectations of what might happen could be different. So that that's a risk. But the point being is, is there's no reason why it jumped. There is, I mean, there is a good reason why it jumped. And that was their revenue jump through the roof. But has the, has the price gone a little bit? beyond the revenue jump? Uh, that's the question. Uh, at, that's the story on NVIDIA right now, though. And again, on the one-month graph, uh, getting back above, you see the gap here, right there, 725 to 720. If they get a good report, you know, I would imagine that will get filled. And then monitor how it does around 750. See if there's more juice past 750. If there is, it's game on. It's game on. And again, a little premature to get real negative on NVIDIA because the red line is not pointing down. Okay, uh, let's go to some of uh, the ones that NVIDIA has been buying into. So they have bought into um, SOUN. So let's see what Soundhog looks like. Okay, well, you can see what happened here. Uh, the thing was one of those uh, penny stocky type deals, and it uh, went all the way up to 440. Um, uh, today's high was 435. It's currently at, uh, what is it at currently? 396. Uh, has a little bit of a blow-off feeling to it. You see this gap over here? That's what I'm telling you about gaps get filled. When they're down here, you think it would never get filled, right? Never, ever, ever. Then all of a sudden, it turns up the red line. This is where you're supposed to be buying. Turns up the green. Again, buy some more. And then you buy at uh, the uh, when it crosses blue. Then it crosses purple, and that's your green light. Uh, once it went through gold, you can see 
that was the gap time. But the bottom line is you had all these dates here of which to do something, which would have been all last week before Valentine's Day. And then it had its pop. But you certainly had warning as the thing peaked up a little bit. Okay. But again, what do you do with it up here? You know, again, if you want to buy it like an option, meaning you're paying four bucks, that's what an option goes for. So if you think this company is going to be around for a long time and you want to pay four bucks, and you don't care if it goes to zero, that's the kind of money you might put into it. An option kind of money where, hey, if it went out of business, I'd lose four bucks. If I hold it and the thing happen and it continues to happen and continues to grow, maybe it has a lot of potential. Okay. Obviously, news changes on the stock or else it wouldn't have gone from 520 down to 140, back up to, you know, it's all, but right now with that NVIDIA uh, taking a stake in it, uh, that obviously has it going pretty good. All right. Uh, the other one that um, has been going nuts is ARM. And again, this is another one uh, that uh, NVIDIA, I think we're trying to do a merger with that got denied. <clears throat> but again, you know, things going uh, like this is the last year. So obviously this thing gave you your buy signal back here in November. And it says to get in there at 60, right? Because everything starts pointing up at 60. Has a pullback, but holds the blue line. Blue line never turns down. Against the blue is where you're continuing to buy if that's your idea. And then, of course, once it got back above here, news hit. Boom, it goes to 120. Boom, it pulls back, and then it goes up to here. Now, again, the further it gets away from the red line, doesn't make it less risky. In my view, it makes it extremely risky of having a what? Reversion back to the mean. And that's exactly what it's done. So if you were to felt at one, there's another example of those two guys out of their uh, garage. <clears throat> if it's at 160 and you go, let me take a look at the 140 or the 130 put, and you find out on a short-term basis, if they have options, I'm not 100%, but if they did, you know, those options might be quite cheap going out only a week or so. And then within a couple of weeks here, you've already pulled back underneath 120. So that's another classic example of people don't think anything bad can happen to something. The options underneath are inexpensive relatively. And then basically, if you get a good pullback, they could come alive. Big gap down here. You know, will it get filled? I don't know. But if the news changes on this thing, because it's had such a big run, you know, again, uh, don't forget, it already had gone from 40 to 80. So if it comes down to fill that gap, that would mean all these options would obviously come alive quite a bit, particularly if you got them like a month or two out when it was way up here. These things probably were pretty cheap. If you pull back to 80, that's the payday. Okay. Again, though, the trend is up. The trend is up. I'm just showing you a theoretical example of if you did take the other side on some of these things, you know, there is some potential, obviously risk, but also potential for uh, some pretty significant uh, pops in them. All right. So that's uh, ARM. Let's see on a one month, uh, if we gave you any signal here. Yeah. Like I say, it's holding blue. So again, still bullish, holding blue. Would I be more nervous if I own this thing, if it broke under 115? Absolutely. Because if it does that, red will start really pointing down. Green will start pointing down. They've inverted to the downside already. So again, if you do break under one, uh, 115, it would open the door for a lot more of a pullback. And what don't uh, can you see the purple line comes in if you fill the gap pretty much? So that's kind of like if things got bad where you might be going. Uh, again, sometimes these moving averages allow me to get, uh, shall we say, uh, targets on where the market might be going. Uh, that's one of the exit strategies that I use is where are the moving averages and is it possible that the attraction of the moving average will bring the price down there? That gives me a target. There's some other things I do as well, like spreading them and rolling them and uh, replacing them, uh, which I can get into uh, if you have a one-on-one -on -one session with me. Okay, uh, so there's uh, that. Uh, what about Palantir? 
Now, Palantir is interesting in that I think a lot of their business comes from the government, and maybe there's only so much you can charge the government, and that might be something that could put a cap on the growth because, again, you know, the government only has so much in their budget to spend on things, and if you start raising your price large enough, they might say, let's go another direction. So at any rate, that may be a problem for Palantir looking in the future. I'm sure they have other customers, but uh, my knowledge of it is they have quite a bit of it coming from the government. Anyway. Uh, on the one month graph, here's your RSI at 80. Then you got your RSI at 76. That's a divergence over here at 66. That's a divergence. Then over here, you got 58. That's a divergence. And you've got the red now pointing underneath the green. And so basically this thing uh, has broke, but it has a gap here at 2450. And again, it might be very much hinging on how these earnings are, uh, not only come out, but how people react to them. Um, so Again, uh, it, it has broken down a little bit, but on the one-year graph, it's still, and it's look at this. This is where you would have bought it if you want to be long. Uh, you would have bought it against the red line today at 22.96. Today's low is 22.72. And if it breaks underneath that, then that opens up maybe to fill this gap. So there's gaps underneath. We'll have to see what happens. Again, how NVIDIA comes out, how these things react, and do when they do rally, does the RSI lag? That's what I'm looking for. And if they lag and then they break back underneath some of these lines, then I think that a more significant drop might be starting. Uh, so that's Palantir. And then the other guy that's gone nuts is SMCI. Okay, and that's down 73. So again, you know, I, I, I try to explain this to people. The further it gets away from the moving average doesn't make it less risky. It makes it more risky of what? Having a reversion to the mean. So you see when you're at 1100 and I tell you that there's a gap here and a gap there and the red line's down here and it's possibly going to have a reversion to the mean, you know, this thing just lost 400 bucks almost, right? 300 and change, right? So- if what's up here, if somebody tells you you're going to drop 300 bucks, you think they're crazy, okay? But that's not the way it works. The way it works is, is that if this thing is up like this, it's obviously a lot of what? Spec buying, short covering, stampede, no sellers, and a market maker who goes, you guys all want this? And I'm the only guy on the sell side. You can have all you want at 1,050. Because after I fill all this volume, there's no volume behind it possibly. And then it'll fall under its own weight, which is exactly what happened. Okay, so that's why you have to be careful chasing things uh, like this because you're going to possibly providing liquidity for smart people. Who are the smart people? Obviously, it turns up at 350, you buy. It stays above the red at 450, you can buy. Stays above it at 600, you can buy. It's not that far away from the red line, right? Even up to 700, not that far away. Now, if the RSI goes, uh, if it goes way up here to like 96 on RSI, and you know, you've been in there, what you want to possibly consider up here is called a replacement trade or a collar. What does that mean? That means you're going to sell calls against it above, like say you just for just an example here, you sold the 1100 calls and you got paid and you took the premium and you bought the 950 puts. Then you have the, the stock bracketed with a maximum upside of 1100 and a maximum downside of 950. And if the math works out, the call possibly could pay for the put in total. If that's the case, 
You got no cash out of your pocket from the standpoint of you took this, the premium and paid for it at that. And then when it's at 735, your equity is protected at 950. That's a collar. The other thing you can do is just dump the stock and say you bought it at 350. You're taking 700 bucks out of the thing. And then you buy a call spread above the market. So in case it keeps going, you have a hedge against an opportunity risk. But the rest of the money that you took off the table is in your pocket. And then when it comes back to 700, you could redeploy the money that you sold out up here. Again, these are things that I do uh, you know, know about uh, secondhand because I've done it for decades. And again, I'm not uh, you know, guessing about options. You know, I know how they work. Okay. And I know how to use them. They can be used for defensive and offensive purposes. They can be used to protect yourself. They can also be used to speculate. So there's a lot of different uses for it. Um, anyway, that gives you a little idea of supercomputer, super micro. All right. Now, some of the other sectors that have gone nuts is the banking. So let's take a look at JP Morgan. And that one certainly has had a big run. Now, you know, the banks obviously have been making great, uh, great money on their uh, uh, net interest income, which means people put money in the bank. They don't earn any interest on it. So who guess who's earning interest? The banks. And uh, that's been a great thing for them. But mortgage uh, volume is uh, nothing to speak of. And the credit card defaults are, you know, haven't been that tremendous. But boy, the balances are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which means the risk is not getting smaller and smaller and smaller for the banks. So, you know, this thing has had a very big run. To put it in perspective, this is a 20-year graph going back to 05. So if you showed this to a two-year-old, would they say this is a high price or a low price? They'd say that's pretty high. RSI over here was at what? Uh, 70. Okay. And let's see if there's any other. Yeah. 70 was the kind of the RSI highs over here. And then over here, the RSI is 65. Okay. So you got a divergence from there to there a little bit, and you're pretty far away from the moving averages, right? So obviously there is a risk of a reversion to the mean. And what would be your signal that it might be happening? Okay. Let's just take a look at this real quick. Yeah. Uh, well, what's your first clue is these, the red line starts turning down. You see when I started turning down up here, that's a pretty good size drop, huh? We don't have that happening now. That's why this thing is not anywhere near looking like it did over here. Let's look at the one-year graph. Again, one-year graph still pointing up, okay? So the bottom line is, is if we were to drop under the red line, which comes in at 176 and change, and it broke under the 172 area, that could take these lines and turn them back down and open the window for a purple so if things really changed in March and April, you know, these prices could change quite a bit. Uh, looking at the one month graph, again, you've got a high point here of 70 and you got a high point there of 66. You got your little divergence. Now you needed to start trading under 179 to open the door for possibly a pullback on the one month graph. Has the five day uh, graph given you anything yet? Not yet. But your RSI is up here, what? At 77. And over here, it's at 68. There's your divergence. It's trading underneath the red line, which is 179.50. Not too much, though. And again, under 179 could start turning these things down a bit and could open the door for a more significant pullback. So keep an eye on JP Morgan. Again, it's had a very big run and they haven't factored in uh, much on the credit cards. Bank of America owns a lot of bond uh, mortgages. I, I think that's what I've read. And so obviously higher interest rates has not been a friend to them because that means their mortgages that they're holding on to are underwater from the standpoint of the price or value of those mortgages because they're low interest rates at 275 and now rates are at five and change or six and change. Obviously that's not so good. 
um, on a one, on a twenty year basis. Let's see what B of A looks like. A little bit, uh, you know, hasn't really had the big run. So, I mean, if you really believe in banks and you really believe that the banks are going to be doing great, this thing is above the purple line at 25, above the red line now at 30, above uh, above gold. And again, there's a lot of real estate to get back to 50. So again, if you are a believer, they're going to really slash these rates. If you are a believer that there's not going to be much defaults, uh, then obviously uh, this one may offer uh, more potential on a percentage basis uh, than the Bank of America, if that all transpires. If this thing starts breaking under 30 and 25 again, I would say mortgages, credit cards, and everything else is a lot of problems for B of A. Again, uh, and here's the other thing that's a problem here. Uh, look at this. You see it's having a hard time getting through purple. So right now, I would be looking at 34, 33 as a big number. If it can get through there, I would find that very positive because you see reds coming in right here at 3326. So this neighborhood of 3426 or 3433 and 3326 is very important. And whichever way it breaks out might be significant. So again, um, 3433, possible breakout and the red line continuing up, very positive for B of A. Break underneath 33. Uh, 3326. And then, of course, the gold line's at 3303. So if this thing starts putting a 32 handle on it, I would say that that's not the greatest news. And again, a break under 30 would really be problematic. So again, a lot of potential on the upside. You got the resistance there. You got support at 30 and 32. And basically, you want this thing to break to the upside. If it does, I wouldn't fight it. And if it breaks to the downside, I would be hoping that 30 held because if it doesn't, something bad's going on. So there's a couple of banking stocks for you uh, to take a look at. Again, these are some of the sectors that have had big moves already. Um, uh, we showed you Taiwan Semi. I showed you NVIDIA to give you a couple of those. AMD is another one. I think some of these are already coming off, though. Yeah, they're already coming off a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. And again, this thing uh, is uh, gone through the roof just like the other. And this gives you a little idea. Uh, of uh, 82 on the RSI. Last time it was up in that neighborhood, makes a brand new high of 67. That's a big divergence. It tells me that it could be totally uh, out of a, a spec buying and a short covering and that kind of thing. And again, that's a long way away from its moving average. So, you know, uh, I again think that this would be a candidate. Uh, again, the ones that have gone through the roof are going to be candidates to roll over if these rates start going further higher. And if the tune changes in March and April, which is only a week or so away to get started. Okay. Now, let me show you the, um, the 10 year treasury. This is the 10 year treasury. Um, I'll try it again here. Uh, yeah. I, oh, okay. 10 year treasury, TNX. There you go. 10 year treasury, please. Okay. I've been pretty good with this because obviously I'm following the trends. Okay, so let me show you what the story is here. First of all, this is telling us that interest rates trends are still up and, the, and that they were way overdone, like at 5%. What did I tell you about the uh, reversion to the mean? Wasn't the red line down here? Didn't it that where it reverted back to? Green was down here, never even got tested. Blue and gold are down here, haven't been tested. If rates were to drop, that's where they're getting 3% or something like that if we dropped or, or 375. 
okay, if we were to drop. But you see the relative strength here came down to 50, and now it's pointing back up a bit. So again, the party hats for the, um, for the interest rates, uh, again, had been put on a little early. Uh, this is another thing that's kind of interesting because the blue line is definitely rising here, which is a powerful line. Can you see ever since rates turned up when? It turned up at 0.5. Has that blue line ever really turned down? Come on. You started here at a half a percent. If you were in bonds down here or you have some guy selling you a bunch of bonds, they should have obviously given you some idea that when rates rise, your bonds drop. And then, you know, if they're 30 or 40 year bonds or 25 year bonds, you know, you're not going to get your principal back for a long time. Because again, these are losing value when the blue line's rising. These are bonds losing value because rates are rising. Okay. Now, again, you violated it here, but the blue line never turns down. And right now, the blue line still hadn't turned down. So, again, you know, the power of the blue line right now suggests that there's still a potential for more higher interest rates. If you were to break under 4% and get green and blue to point down, sure, then I would definitely buy into the concept that the rates are dropping. But right now, with the unemployment rate, with the wages, with the uh, consumer spending, with the PPI, CPI, and PCE. I mean, don't forget, we went from not, we have had 9% inflation. You know, these guys aren't talking about that 9% going down. They're talking about it's only going up 3% now or whatever. That's 3% on top of 9%. You divide it by two, it's still averaging out at 6% for a couple of years. That's an awful lot of uh, higher prices. And we all have a life. I just went on a holiday. The, the, the rooms uh, at the hotel are hugely marked up. The, um, the uh, rent-a-car, hugely marked up. And so the bottom line, you go out to eat, for God's sake. I mean, you know, bring a bank book with you. So the bottom line is the cost of living is very, very high. And in that environment, to think we're going to be cutting interest rates dramatically, I think that sounds like beer talk. Um, but anyway, anything can happen because I've been in, I'm doing this for decades. And believe me, I've seen it all happen. You know, in 08, I didn't know they could uh, um, put interest rates at zero and buy their own securities. You know, I didn't know in uh, 2020, 2020 uh, that they could set up 14 facilities and start buying all this stuff in all these facilities, uh, circumventing the uh, 1913 Act. So, you know, things happen out there that are very hard to explain. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Fed had everybody refi their house at 2.75 before they raised interest rates, because we all know that uh, mortgage rates going from 275 to eight or seven should kill the real estate market, right? Normally, but it, ha it hasn't because people are locked in at those low mortgages and there's no inventory to sell. So now all you got is what? New housing. And these new housing guys have played games with the price to give you what? A lower interest rate mortgage. You're obviously paying it in some way. And so that's how they kept real estate going. I think the worst thing that could happen in real estate is they normalize the interest rates and everybody starts selling their house again. That I think would be very problematic. That's another reason why I don't think they're excited about rates going too low. Because again, real estate going down makes people feel poor. When they feel poor, they don't spend. If they don't spend, 70% of our economy goes into the crapper. Okay. So that's the story that I'm seeing. Anyway, that's where you are on the on the 10 year. And uh, again, as long as it stays above four, and if it's and there's a gap on it, let me show you the gap. You see this gap up here between 470 and 480? 
My guess is if they keep coming up with hot numbers, you're going to go through purple. Now, right now it's being held up at purple. And I told people 433 is the top of this move on the 10 year until further notice. Okay. So again, if you do think that it's not going to have higher interest rates, this is a neighborhood where buying bonds could make some sense on a trade anyway, because it's bumping up against the purple line yielding 433. So far, buying against that line, looking for yields to drop a little bit already has been a good call. But with that gap being so big and these numbers being so big, we start breaking above 433. I think it could start accelerating up towards that number, especially if there's an event that would make it happen. Okay. So that's the story on the 10-year note. And let me show you the other thing here, which is the VIX. Now, this is the VIX and we're going to go over it. Uh, now, VIX is a volatility index. And basically, you know, I don't know, uh, my, I'm giving my opinion on everything. So my opinion on the VIX is that um, anything down here in this uh, 10 area, uh, well, let me, yeah, um, uh, down here at the 12, 11, 12 area, obviously, uh, if we go back a long period of time, <clears throat> this goes back to 2011. You can see that when you go back to when you go to 10 or 12, it sometimes is the launching pad for a big spike up. Now, spike up means that the market tanked. Okay, when you see the VIX spike up, that means the market is tanked. So obviously, in 2020, it really went because of COVID. And that's, of course, when the Fed came out with the 14 facilities to start buying everything up so we don't have a collapsing world, right? So that gives you an idea of what can happen. But it starts, where does it start? It starts down here in the 10 to 15 area. It starts down here. And then the red line starts turning up. You know, right now, the red line hasn't turned up yet. And again, everything is still for lower volatility. Okay. But uh, uh, the RSI has not been breaking under 40. Okay. And again, RSI doesn't generally break under 40. And if it doesn't break under 40, that's generally the lows. Look at my cursor 42 at the low, low for, uh, 51 or right next to it, 42. Divergence and a pop. Okay. Down here, you're at 61, but the one next door is at 45. 45, pop. Okay, then you got down here, it's all in the 40s, 40s, 40s. In uh, 2018, they start trying to hike interest rates. Boom, big drop. Okay, then we go into the 40s and the 40s and the 40s. And then all of a sudden, we jump from the 40s into the 70s and boom. And it started by going from the 40s into the next bar over is 50. So it goes from the 50s. And then once it breaks above 60, you can accelerate to the upside. It goes all the way up to what? It goes all the way up to uh 85 so what's happening now you're in the 40s you're in the 40s you're in the 40s you're in the 40s and now you're at 46 if this thing breaks above 20 and this red line starts turning up it could be problematic so keep it you know that you can see that number right there 20 on the rsi very important if you're bullish that you stay underneath that uh if you're looking for a big drop in march or april that that could be the time where we bust above 20 and get something up here in the 35 to 45 turning down here Again, looks like it's trying to turn up on the five-year. It's above the green and everything else, which comes in at 14, uh, 1480, 1470. We're trading 15, uh, where are we at now? 1568. So it's gaining some steam. Again, just another uh, thing around 20. So you start breaking above 20 in March or April. I would guess that we're going to have a pretty good drop then. So that would be a confirming factor in my view. And that RSI looks like it's trying to rise. 
And again, that's running into gold, which is good for resistance. It got above 18 for a very short time, then back under gold. So gold's very important that it stays under if you want to remain bullish. But that RSI looks like it's trying to climb. So we'll have to see what happens. NVIDIA is going to be a key. If NVIDIA comes out and disappoints, the thing's already down, what, uh, as much as it's down. So if NVIDIA dropped 100 points, this thing is probably going to take off. And that means the market's going to have its drop. So again, watch the NVIDIA. Again, it could be a rally, and then they could bring the thing back. There's a gap here on the uh, thing uh, that comes in right around 1479. So something uh, in the high 14s could pull back. Again, you start getting above, uh, you start getting above, um, 16, then 18, then 20, you know, that'll be telling you something right there. Okay. Uh, it's hard for me to go over all the different markets all at once. I can do real quick. Uh, I'm going to do a little quick tour here for you uh, into the gold. Okay. And I'll give you a little bit of an update on that. Again, gold's starting to get a bit. Okay. You see how it went under purple here and now it's above. So as long as it stays above 2020, it's starting to gain some steam. If it starts getting above, uh, uh, what other numbers would be important? Yeah, you see the red line is starting to put down a little bit. So if we can break above 2030, which it's doing right now, you know that's going to be positive. So my feeling is if you get above 2040 and 2060, it could be the start of a good rally in the gold. Okay. If you break under 2000 in the green line here, which is 1970, then, so it's really in a window, and it has been in a window. The window used to be uh, 2080 and about uh, 1950, and now the window seems to be at around 1970 and about 2060. And when that window breaks, I think it'll be a very significant move. So I would keep an eye on both sides of that window. Right now, it's obviously picking up some steam, and on a one-month basis, uh, it is also picking up some steam, but it has some problems right here in the gold. Gold comes in around you know, 2040. So that's where I'm getting 2040, where it is right now. So it starts picking up steam later in the week. You'll be fine. Okay. Uh, I got to wrap it up. So I'm going to wrap it up by making sure I remind you that the market leaders have been the uh, tech and the semis. And it has also uh, been in communications, financials, and healthcare, a little bit in industrials. They would have vulnerability if this thing is to roll over in March and in uh, April. So I'm on guard for that. The ones that have been lagging, materials, energy, utilities, real estate, some extent, staples and transports, those type of stocks I'm looking for, and, and the small caps, I'm looking to see if there's a rotation because they could play a serious game of catch-up also later in the year. So if you're interested in finding out what I'm looking at, if you're interested in taking your stuff and having me do a little analysis on it, I think that would be a value. Uh, do you really want to learn more about options? Again, I've been to the Options Institute in Chicago for training. I've done you know hundreds and hundreds of seminars worldwide, educating thousands of people. I know how the options work. I have my opinions on them, how to trade them, how not to trade them, how to use the short-term options, how to trade the short-term options, because obviously they're very popular. Just look at the volume. And so if you'd like to talk to somebody who has a background in this, uh, who has a background in educating and explaining things to you, you know, I think it'd be a good idea to go to my website, optionprofessor.com, O-P-T-I-O-N, professor, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-O-R.com. 
I believe we're embarking on a very exciting period of time here in the next two months. So I'm very excited to speak to people, share my views, hear their views, and try to educate them about what their alternatives are, because some people don't know what their choices are. And obviously, that's not a positive. Uh, So again, optionprofessor.com, you put your information in there, and then I contact you personally. We uh, and again, we don't have monthly rates and we don't charge, uh, you know, thousands of dollars or anything silly like that. Uh, you know, uh, again, I have a link to my indicators and I spend at least an hour with you online like I'm speaking to you now. And we go over this stuff and we get your questions answered. I share my knowledge. And again, it's, uh, it's a very, you know, people who have done it are obviously very happy with it. So uh, if you would like to, you know, find out more about options, learn about it, speak to me directly optionprofessor.com. And then of course I can share my views and uh, insights as well, particularly on again, the trading aspect and also pricing of options, et cetera. So a lot to learn, uh, stop by the website and, uh, and let's get acquainted. And again, you know, it costs nothing to find out. So it's kind of silly not to uh, check it out. So go to optionprofessor.com and let's get together. Top of the hour, guys. This is Jim, the Option Professor. I got to check out with you now, but I'm hoping I'll be speaking to many of you after you go to my website. Have a great day. Good luck on your trading. Let's see how NVIDIA comes out. And I'm sure by the end of the week, we'll have a lot more to chat about. I'll be sending out a quick alert. So keep open eyes for that. I'll be sending a quick alert out uh, after the NVIDIA announcement. Great day, everybody. Thanks for being here.